thanks again, Trace, for being here. Um, grief in a pandemic. Um, as I've said to folks before who've joined us, um, you don't have to be an expert, but you hopefully will help guide us in the conversation. And I, but I do think you bring lots of expertise and connections. When I was re-looking, you know, Trace and I, and I'll full disclosure, we're an electionary group together um, and have known each other for a while. I think from the time when you were at Hastings College uh, is when we met. Um, running a, a wonderful program there in servant leadership and uh, a, a grant there and it touched so many different people I know. Um, but uh, he just brings so many gifts and experiences I think will be helpful here. Let me introduce him to you, but um, just say hello to us, Trace, and tell us where you're calling in from today. Hey Lee, thanks for the opportunity to be <laughs> with y'all. I am in Decatur, Georgia at my home, sheltering in place. Um, in this very confusing time in which we live um, and uh, like many office staffs we are learning the ways to navigate these virtual environments and keep each other engaged and right. to be serving we've got about 2,000 members spread across the country and doing our best to make sure that they're able to be in both the hot spots and the spots that are not yet um, right it's been a fascinating time well, we want to hear more about that, and I know you got stories to tell. I've been reading about some of those, but uh, just to introduce you to my friends, one of the things that gives me the greatest joy I have learned is having people that I know introduced to other people that may not know each other, so hopefully you'll make some new friends out of this. You've already got plenty, but uh, I think uh, it brings the body of Christ a little more closer in connection, and it's I think it's hopeful because... Presbyterians out there doing some some great stuff. I mean, lots of people, but I'm particularly love when Presbyterian ministers are using their MDivs and other degrees in ways that are uh, gifts to the church that not everybody knows about. Um, so Trace is currently and has been since 2013 the executive director of the Association for Clinical Pastoral Education, and works closely in the Chaplaincy Innovation Lab that I think he's going to talk to us about with colleagues Wendy Cage and Michael Skaggs. Um, he has previously served as executive director of the Fraser Center in Atlanta, the president of the Fund for Theological Education, now the Forum for Theological Exploration. He was uh, a program director and a professor at Hastings College in Little Hastings, Nebraska. Y'all go to Omaha and then go a little north and you'll find Hastings. Um, and uh, has his PhD from Syracuse in Cultural Foundations of Cultural Foundations of Education, um, a Master of Divinity from Princeton Seminary. I think that's where you met um, your now wife, um, Mary uh, Stoops, who is uh, a pastor at North Dakota Presbyterian. Um, he's a graduate. He's a kangaroo uh, graduate of Austin College, one of my favorite mascots ever, the kangaroos. <laughs> um, and it fits Trace. He's smiling. I'm glad to see him. <laughs> he is also, in addition to being a, a, a partner in life with Mary, they are parents of Jacob, um, a recent Davidson graduate, I think, and another recent graduate of, I don't know the high school, Martha is graduating from Decatur High. Decatur High. Uh, go Bulldogs. Mm -hmm. um, and um, he loves, I love this, he loves to read. I know he reads a lot. He loves to bike. He loves to homebrew. He loves to dance. 
Maybe we'll get some dance moves today. He loves to sing, but he says he doesn't like to do all those at the very same time. I bet you could do two or three of those. <laughs> it could be a challenge, you know, COVID, you know, this is what it, it gives us the opportunity. There you go. Um, I didn't know this, but I learned in preparing that you did, I did one unit of CPE, which I, I always said, I wish I did a second. You did eight units. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. a little crazy good. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's awesome. He has also had a full scholarship at the Harvard Business School and Strategic Perspectives on Nonprofit Management. I mean, y'all, Stanford uh, Center for Social Innovation, if you heard of IDEO, he can probably, uh, that's kind of where that has been happening. He's been a pastor also in Nashville and in Melbourne, Australia. Um, just so much. Um, I love that you're also very involved with LARC, which if people don't know about LARC, you might uh, tell them a little bit about that. Just an amazing international movement. He is active at Central Presbyterian Church. I think you might sing in the choir. Is that right? Yep. I do. And, yep. Um, uh, so just brings so much to this. Um, one of his students reminded me, and I think this fits today, um, is um, that one of your benedictions that you close conversations with often um, is a liturgical one that you have adapted a little bit. You know what this is? Go in peace, but not, not in pieces. <laughs> and so I think that's what we're trying to do today is trying to think about grief and have peace, have shalom, uh, wholeness, um, but not, not in, in too many pieces if possible. Um, so I'm going to look forward to that, that conversation. If folks have questions or comments, please feed them into the, the chat um, on Facebook Live and we'll try to get to as many of those as possible. But first, before we dive into that, I just love to hear about your call about, I love how Howard Thurman talks about, it's not what the world needs, but it's, it's, it's what makes you come alive because what the world needs is people who are coming alive. And I'm wondering, you know, over the long haul and maybe in these days, what is helping you come alive? Thanks, Lee. Um, you know, most folks that know me probably know me first and foremost is uh, more on the irreverent side than the reverend side <laughs> and a bit of a goofball. Um, I've paid my way through college and seminary, tending bar and waiting tables most of the time, which is where I learned a lot of my pastoral care skills. But the thing that brought me into ministry was actually um, when I was 13, I had a friend who died of leukemia. Um, he wasn't supposed to live past two. And oh, wow. um, the last time I saw him, he was actually out on a basketball court. He had a particular um, leukemia manifest mainly in the bones in his legs um, and uh, wore braces throughout his life, but was still able to get out and play with friends. And um, saw him on that court. And two weeks later, I got a phone call from a friend, let me know that he died. And wow. at that age, I started asking the kinds of questions that, a 13-year-old's going to ask about life and death anyway. And I was really dissatisfied with the answers that I got. Um, in fact, I, I started to get a little angry about some of the pithy things that seemed to be the kinds of responses that people gave to make themselves feel better and me feel no different. Um, 
that drove me to when I got to Austin College, I took a death and dying course and really just fell in love with the content, um, which led me to volunteer at Children's Medical Center back in Dallas and do a pediatric hospice program. Um, so before I ever got to seminary, I was already just mm -hmm. really deeply committed to these questions and these themes. And some of it came out of the place where I felt like people were most alive seemed to be on some of those oncology floors. Um, hmm. These kids that wow. were that liminal space between life and death. Um, there are a few things more honest than a sick kid. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, they just put it out there. And I realized how hungry I was for that kind of integrity and clarity. Um, the, the way that we didn't have to have any of the preambling that we often do with each other. We just got real, real fast. Um, right, right. So I fell in love with the context, and it led me into a couple of years of CPE, as you noted, um, also into campus ministry and uh, college chaplaincy. Um, because of the kinds of life questions and that Sharon Park sense of big questions and worthy dreams. Um, mm -hmm. One of my favorite with, books ever. <laughs> being with young adults at those shipwreck moments, you know, when they're trying to figure out who they are and what they believe. It just became a really powerful experience along the way too. So um, I have not had what looks like a straight line path in terms of a career um, in ministry by any means, but um, there is this steady pulse of staying in this place of death and dying, grief and loss. Um, uh, There's a great article recently in one of the folks that have been following the pandemic and following the work of chaplains. They describe chaplains as the ones who run toward death, mm. which is so counterintuitive to the human way. But um, I read that and recognized my own life within it. It's part of me that um, that's, wow. that's certainly a sense of my call. You know, I, you saying that I, I have, I've, I've, you have a willingness to step into those difficult places, uh, I know, and and take on challenges. Maybe you didn't see coming around the corner, even with the places where has paid you in your call. I mean, I'm, I didn't mention that you're also on the operations. Is that still true, the operations committee? I was. Now I'm on CPM, so they're even more Oh, good. Okay. I'm glad you're on CPM. <laughs> but you were on the operations with the Presbyterian of Greater Atlanta. You don't mind... Uh, taking on big, big projects. Um, I really do appreciate that to kind of run toward and address, you know, the issues. And, um, and I think, um, and other people say this about you, and hopefully folks who are listening who don't know you will, will quickly learn is there is a vulnerability about you and an openness, open bookness about you that is really refreshing. You don't see that always in executive leaders for sure, and and it's 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 refreshing, and it and I think it's a it's a good it's a good model, um, so much so. So well, you were just telling me leading up to the call that you've been, y'all have actually I'm not sure if it's innovation chaplaincy innovation lab. There's going to be some resources we can link to. Could you tell us about what y'all been working on? Yeah, we've been trying to do weekly webinars for chaplains just to. Um, get the kind of resources they need in the moment. So um, a wide variety of tools available. And it, it's beyond healthcare. Um, we've been working with federal and state level prison chaplains because of what's going on within the oh, prison wow. systems right now. 
Um, we've been working with military chaplains because of what's been happening both in the Navy on the boats um, as well yeah. as within the Army bases. Um, higher ed chaplains who many of them are trying to help students figure out what does this mean for my life? Um, and uh, it, it's been fascinating. This has been similar working with the Committee on Preparation for Ministry too. One of the tendencies that people have had in this crisis has been trying to live their life as if they're going to get it back on a track. Mm, and right. part of the grief process in all of this is coming to terms with the fact that there is no track now. <laughs> that, that, I have to laugh or I'll cry. I mean, right? Well, I mean, that's just it. The track doesn't exist and it will not exist in the way that it did afterwards. So to be with a group that defines itself in innovation, I mean, this is a time of innovating um, and even innovating how we grieve in the midst mm -hmm. of all of it. Um, there's a Mary Oliver poem um, her in Blackwater Woods, which is short. But, um, I have loved for a long time, and I've found the meaning has shifted significantly because of where we are. Um, it's one of the poems that we have as a resource on the Chaplaincy Innovation Lab website. It's just chaplaincyinnovation.org, easy to find. Um, the poem is, to live in this world, you must be able to do th three things, to love what is mortal, to hold it against your bones, knowing your own life depends on it, and when the time comes to let it go, to let it go. And much of the work of good pastoral care, spiritual care, has been in that notion of helping people know how to hold it against your bones, knowing your own life depends on it. What does it mean to hold it against your bones when you can't touch it? Yeah. What does it mean okay. to hold it against your bones when the closest you can get is through a digital device? Right. Yeah. So that notion of holding on to it feels fundamentally different than what it was three months mm -hmm. ago. Um, and it's going to stay that way for a long time. I mean, that's part of what I think is also the rush to try to get back to open up society, open up communities, open up business. I hear the desire in all of that. But even as that opens, it's not going to open in the way that it was open before. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, well, actually, one of our colleagues, Beth Neal, is touching on that right now. She's saying, asking, um, you know, this is a time to start thinking about later as we look back on mm -hmm. not just death, the grief that comes with death, but what we lost, you know, that sports season, that graduation. I mean, there's going to be grief work that's going to happen into the future. I think that's what she's sort of pointing to. We can't go back to what it was. So yeah. I hear you hinting at that. We, this is a time to start innovating and thinking about, you know, that future uh, ministry yeah. set yeah, it's things like if you're a pastor of a local congregation, part of what the grief work is right now is all the things that used to be the way they used to be. Because it's likely that we'll have social distancing within congregational settings for a while. But it's also likely that people have gotten used to some of these digital formats and you're going to be running hybrid services for the rest of your life that this is just <laughs> going to be the new normal. I don't know for sure, but th that is a strong likelihood. So what are, the, yeah, what are the things you need to let go of within yourself to be mm -hmm. able to embrace what might come 
in this new shape and new form, which, you know, in so many ways is the story of crucifixion and resurrection over and over again. Um, sure. That the, the way of life that we thought, the way we thought it was going to be, has radically shifted into this new thing. And we live into the now what all the time. So what does I don't it mean know if to live in? I don't know if it's because it's Easter tide, but a couple of guests keep pointing back to that. And I, we, uh, Jeffrey Bullock even said something like, this is what we do as a church. We know about death, death and resurrection. I mean, this is how we do it. I mean, I think that's that's really helpful. You mentioned, I'm not sure if it was on the call or in our lead up, um, Kubler-Ross, and everybody sort of goes to, um, to her in terms of kind of stages of grief. But you're also saying it's not that kind of straight line anymore. Uh, is that what you're saying? I mean, it's we, we yeah, got to rethink, yeah. rethink the stages. <laughs> yeah, if you're going to look at stages, look at David Kessler's work now that builds on Kubler-Ross. He was an associate of Kubler-Ross later in life, and he actually talks about a sixth, sixth stage as well. Um, and he actually talks about these as things that we move in and out of. So mm. it is possible to have overlapping stages simply because of the nature of the questions and the changes we have. And there are these, mm -hmm. there are different layers of grief as well, but that doesn't mean that any one of them is any less intense. So mm -hmm. the, the grief of the loss of another human being is the one that we're most often talking about when we're looking at those stages. But there's also the grief of the loss of a way of life. Mm -hmm. There's a grief of a loss of expectations. Um, there's, one of the most difficult things to grieve is plans or hopes because it's intangible, right? You thought it was going to be a particular way and it's not going to be. Um, right. I've, I've got a daughter who wants to head to college in the fall. What's that going to be? What's that going to be like? <laughs> All those, uh, my wife teaches, I think you know, and they're, um, every college is talking about this and what is the classroom going to look like and um, what have you. I just want to let you know that a couple fans are out there. Uh, Kate uh, is uh, Klaus, Klausi Estes. Is oh, right? yeah. Yep. Yep. Kate, she's <laughs> currently the associate, the interim associate at our church. And um, I know Nolan Hyzingo uh, was there and some others saying hello and appreciating. Hi, y'all. Um, uh, your ministry. Um, so, uh, Kessler, K-E-S-S-L-E-R, is that right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, and the we'll sixth see, stage we... that he's added, the sixth stage is almost like written for Presbyterians, I feel. Um, it's meaning. Um, it's about meaning, meaning making. In um, that notion of uh, one of the things that people often do when they first respond is they try to make meaning of the experience for the person who's grieving. And um, please don't do that. Stop. No. Um, but as you begin, there we dip our toe into meaning to see if it makes sense. And it may make sense until we hit the next challenge, and then we'll back up from that a little bit. Mm -hmm. And that meaning-making process evolves over time to a place to where we may still feel deep pain and sadness because of certain losses, but we have a narrative that we construct around it that's the meaning-making process. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, to put it in parallel to what we were talking about with Easter Tide, it's the narrative that the church developed around Jesus' death mm -hmm. and resurrection that becomes that meaning-making process for us. 
it's a profound meaning making process in that regard but you do it with right. everything from the loss of a pet to um you know moving to a new home right right i've been hearing and talking to some friends who are in pastoral transition um you know moving from one church to another i mean how do you say goodbye and this and say hello and say hello i mean there's i mean it's I think something that's helpful and I will point people back to that you said a minute ago, I think don't lose it is, is that we move in and out of these stages. It's not a straight line. Right. Um, right. And that, um, and they're layered and they're all, I mean, anger is there, right? Denial is there. I mean, but we, we, I, I, I can I think about my own my own process around things. Uh, definitely, I see that happening, and that's from a pastoral perspective. It's helpful to be able to notice that and note that in preaching about uh, and, and pastoral prayers. I mean, all these things can be acknowledged. Where you, I mean, you actually voice in the prayer, um, yeah. being angry yeah. or being in denial, uh, um, what have you. Well, and we carry it in our bodies. I mean, the amount of embodied expression of all of this is really important as well. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So paying attention to uh, one of the um, simple meditation tools that I think is really important for people that are in grief is a body scan where you listen for, mm -hmm. I mean, imagine sort of a, a circle of light going down through your body and just assessing what you feel and mm -hmm. not spending any time trying to analyze it, just note it. Where do you feel right. certain things? And what yeah. is, how are you holding those emotions of those stages in that space? I mean, if you've right. got a deep discomfort in your gut, what's going on there? Mm -hmm. Pay attention to that. Yeah. But the other part that the, um, those who are really gifted, um, John Kabat-Zinn and some others who are teaching meditation practice in some beautiful ways, rather than just trying to figure out what's going on in that gut, also, mm -hmm. thank your gut for carrying it. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. I mean, to offer some gratitude that these things are being held and that you're still going, right? Right, right. Um, there's a yeah, I've been seeing a lot of yoga, and, you're, and yoga, a lot of yoga practice does this sorts of thing. I mean, and that's yeah. something yeah. folks can do for, you know, um, so that's helpful, yeah. Who was yeah, the person you just really mentioned? About, uh, yeah. John Kabat-Zinn, um, K-A-B-O-T okay. uh, hyphen Z-I-N-N. Okay. That's great. Uh, let me see if there's something, there's something else here. I don't know if there's things that you want to make sure you think would be helpful. I know we're winding down. We just have a few more minutes here. Um, any other uh, places you want to point people to or... Well, in, on the lab's COVID site, the Chaplaincy Innovation Lab's COVID site, we've recently put together um, uh, a brief piece that is an edited piece around grief and loss. And um, rather than it being about the stages, it's actually each section is divided by an expression you might hear a person make. Um, I, I'm so full of rage, I can't go on. Um, this doesn't make any sense to me. I don't feel anything at all. And those phrases would be at the top of the page. And then a list of resources would be beneath it. And it's poetry and it's 
audio. So we've got links to Krista Tippett interviews. We've got oh, awesome. video pieces. Some TED Talks are connected there. There's some great books that are connected, both theological texts as well as psychological, sociological texts. Um, the idea is to give a range of things that really fit. There's a really lovely collection as well of children's stories that are all ways of talking, using the stories oh, to talk awesome. with children about grief and loss. So I'm, um, I'm seeing yeah. one of our viewers is one of our co-moderators who was on a couple of weeks ago, Bill Marie Citron Ovieri, and she's been reading children's books on Friday, Facebook Live from Westminster John Knox. And it, I think it's been, those have been a real gift. She's also thanking you for um, bringing up the physical aspects, the embodiment, yeah. you know, that yeah. we have to work through. Marissa Galvan um, is also noting you can buy that Kessler book on Kindle, which because we can't go to the library yes. or the bookstore very easily. At least try. Maybe in Georgia you can, but I don't advise you to. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's available for a very low price on on uh, an ebook form. I won't mention the exact uh, vendor she described, but you can imagine that. So, um, well, this has been great. Thanks for all you do. Folks, if they all don't know Trace, get to know him and his ministry and uh, what a gift you are. Um, and uh, to the Presbytery, to Central Church, to Atlanta, to the PCUSA, and to the APCE world and, and more, more broadly. I know you're working internationally. I'm guessing you're not too sad that you don't have to be traveling because <laughs> I know you like to be at home. Yeah, I traveled about 140,000 miles last year, and um, I don't think I'm going to hit that this year. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. I think you'll keep your, you know, your status in your on the airline that we won't mention, but uh, <laughs> I think you'll do just fine. But I'm just so grateful for you for this time and for your friendship and um, blessings on you. I wonder if you would be willing to, to share a blessing our charge or both um, with those who gather with us. That would be a real gift. Yeah, my, my charge to folks is to hold each other in the light and with grace and gently that um, if anything, this moment has taught us what a fragile people we are and what a remarkable world we're in. So in ways that you can savor nature in ways that you can be grateful for these bodies that we have, in ways that you can find one another in a loving spirit that crosses all these boundaries and divides that just seem ridiculous in the face of a virus that doesn't care about any of those things. Um, may we be to one another the kind of gracious, loving presence that the universe is always longed for and that we're just far too good at mucking up. <laughs> May it be. Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah. Thank you. Amen. Amen.